Happy Thursday evening to you. Welcome into the You to Winner podcast. Dan Black, joined with me as always, is Sporty Jordy, a newly minted 24-year-old sport. <laughs> right, 24? Right? Yep, 24. Yeah, 24. 24 years old. Her birthday was yesterday, so happy birthday to her. And we have a special guest, a, uh, a longtime friend of mine from my college days. He is currently at ESPN in Louisville, ESPN Radio in Louisville. Jack Grossman, how we doing, Jack? Oh, I am doing fantastic. It's the best time of year, baby. The final four. It is. Nothing it is. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Looking forward. Of course. To it. Of course. In just a few days, we get to listen to uh, one shining moment and just can't wait for it. Um, so we have plenty. We have plenty of March Madness stuff to talk about. Also some uh, baseball stuff as Jack's a huge baseball guy as well. Uh, and with opening day coming up in just a week. But I got to we got to start with, you know, the reaction since you're in Kentucky um the reaction from the state of kentucky i'm sure your radio station was i i'm sure it wasn't a tough uh week to find content after the uh saint peter's loss to kentucky so so just give us from the from a kentucky and a is that what people kentucky and yes yes kentucky from the kentucky from the kentucky uh point of view what (laughs) what that was like afterwards all right so for those who don't know no, uh, obviously everyone knows Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, but Louisville, which obviously everything in Louisville, Kentucky is revolved around U of L and UK. Like those are the pro teams. That's what everyone goes nuts about every day of every year. <laughs> That's what it goes. But the day after Kentucky lost to St. Peter's was the day that Louisville introduced Kenny Payne to be the new men's basketball head coach. So if you think about a day of content that we had at that station between those two things, and it was the first time in months really ever since, you know, Louisville beat Kentucky last season in basketball that Louisville fans had anything to actually celebrate over Kentucky fans (laughs) because they had – they had the new head coach that everyone was excited about. Kentucky just lost to a 15 seed. But BBN, right. well, focus in on them, them, but BBN is still not over. Like, they, they are pitchforks, torches, ready to, like, ram the Calipari mansion. <laughs> like, like so so the show I produce, uh, the Take of the 80 Sweeney, 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, daily, ESPN 680, shameless plug, I'm sorry. But, so, one of, of the two, plug. yes. Yeah, so one of the two hosts on the show, James Treble, is an incredibly huge Kentucky fan. And we're sitting here now recording this March 31st, so this is three weeks to the day. On the show, like like, like two hours ago, he was still ranting about how pissed he is at John Calipari in Kentucky for losing that game. And he is far from the minority. John Calipari didn't take calls for his last call and radio show the week after <laughs> the week after uh, the game ended, yeah, I guess he was on a re- recruiting trip for uh, DJ Wagner, who's one of the top recruits in college basketball in 2023. Three, but but BBN went nuts over that. They wanted their chance to yell and scream at John Calipari, and the, and great. you put it, you put it in perspective why Kentucky fans are so mad because th- this program it's one you know we keep calling it the Blue Blood Final Four. Kentucky's the Blue Bloods of all Blue Bloods. And this is a guy that grew up a Louisville fan and went to Indiana that's saying that. Like, there's not a better basketball program in the country than Kentucky. Kansas just passed them on the all-time wins, which that that annoyed them. That <laughs> Kansas, during, Kansas during the tournament run surpassed them for all-time NCAA tournament wins. And Duke tied them for uh, third most Final Fours all-time. If 
Carolina wins the tournament, then they're just one title behind Kentucky for second most all time. So Kentucky feels a little bit of slippage there, but more importantly, Kentucky's coming off a year last season in 2020-2021 where they went 9-16 and and they had the worst record UK basketball has had since the 1920s. And they follow that up with losing to St. Peter's, which ended a 30-game winning streak for Kentucky against double-digit seeds in the NCAA tournament, is easily the most embarrassing loss UK has had in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And they haven't been to a Final Four to 2015. That's an eternity for Kentucky fans. Yeah. Right, right. So there's a lot there that BBN is incredibly angry and frustrated at John Calipari about. And it's warranted most of it because they want to be the best. And quite frankly, right. you know, having worst season in 80 years fall, or in a century followed up by worst turning loss ever. That's not acceptable for them. Yeah. No, yeah. I came into this tournament and I was looking at every team and obviously it's March madness. So you can't really look at it from a realistic perspective, but I went into it and I was like, all right, the two best teams standing out to me are Kentucky and Kansas. I was like, that is who everyone should be afraid of in this tournament. Kansas has held up their end of the deal. Kentucky, who I had winning my entire bracket. Dan, I think you did too, right? Didn't we I, both I have told you, Yeah, I was, the, I was the advocate for him. Yes. No, I was like so gung-ho on Kentucky. And that it, it was just, it was devastating. And it's, I under, I'm not even a... I have a soft spot for Kentucky just because they are one of the strongest college basketball programs. Like, like they're a staple. So I I do love Kentucky. I respect Kentucky. I'm not necessarily a Kentucky fan, but like I still haven't gotten over the Kentucky loss three weeks later. And I'm like, how? And I, I did fall in love with St. Peter's and I fell in love with that Cinderella story, but still for Kentucky to go out in that way, it was, it was heartbreaking. Oh, the Peacocks beat Kentucky and Purdue. I was perfectly happy with them. <laughs> but but you look at Kentucky, and they had, obviously, Oscar Sheboy, who was the best player in college basketball this year and is winning every National Player of the Year award this season. You had, But what really doomed them was, because they at a point they were the best team in college basketball. Yeah. You bring up you know Kansas. They punked them by 18 in Allen Fieldhouse. Right. Carolina, they beat by 29 back in December. Yeah. They had a stretch where they were playing better than literally anyone else. But then they had Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler, their starting backcourt, both get hurt. And when both those guys came back, they were just never able to really recapture what they had in late December and most of January. You look, you look, you look at Ty Ty Washington. If the, his last eight games before he sprained his ankle at Auburn, he was averaging 17 points per game. He was shooting 45% from three. He was being the lottery pick that everyone thought he was going to be. He comes back from that injury, and he averages nine points per game, 20% from three-point range. That's just not the same guy. Yeah. You add in the fact that Kellen Grady that really had a terrible shooting drought during the uh, late stages of the year as well. Wheeler was up and down. Keon broke Jacob top, and you were never knowing what you were getting out of those guys. And you ended up with a team with Oscar Sheboy and four dudes that you really didn't feel like could actually stretch the floor and put the ball in the basket. And that's right. one of the reasons why they lost to St. Peter's. But well, yeah, what went wrong for Kentucky is that they just never figured out where to get back to where they were before they had those injuries to uh, Ty Ty Washington, especially. Definitely. Right. And so, so I guess, you know, we both went to IU together um, and we were very used to irrational fans and everything. Well, like Indiana is nothing. On, they, right. they have and, nothing and on BBN. <laughs> and, 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 and I use crazy. Don't get me wrong, but they got nothing on BBN. 
Right. And, that, and that's what I was about to get to is like, you know, are, are there actually people that like want Calipari fired? Oh, yeah. Like a real thing? <laughs> there is something about which it's never going to happen because his right. buyout is reportedly $52 million. So that's definitely not going to happen. But yeah, no, no. There is a sizable portion of BBN that wants Calipari fired. And it, the, and, and, and I, I, I probably wouldn't call it a majority, but but there, there is There's as much a pressure. Of people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there is know. as much pressure on him to win and win big next year as you really see from any coach at, you know, a big time school or big time job in terms of he needs to win. If he doesn't right. win next year, I, again, this is where they're stuck, though, because they can't fire him. He has no. a lifetime contract. Right. So there's, there's you just nowhere. have, yeah, you have a fan base that is incredibly unhappy, but you can't fire the guy because Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director, gave him a lifetime contract with a $52 right. million buyout. So it's a very interesting situation there to see how it unfolds over the next year or two. And the recruiting isn't as good as it has been. They're 24th in the country for the class of 2022 right now. Like that, that, that'll be the first time that they aren't a top three class ever in Calipari. And even before then, I mean, like they haven't had the same types of classes where, you know, early on they're bringing in John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, Anthony Davis, Carly Anthony Towns. So, so you guys all know the names, but yeah, but it, it's just not at that level that it used to be. And when Cal doesn't have the best players and the best talent, yeah, he's a Hall of Fame coach, but he needs the talent and he just doesn't have it right now. Yeah. Yeah. No. It. It. I, I, with. With the advancement of the, of the other major players, the the Dukes specifically, of the world getting into the one and dones. You know, after Calipari sort of started that thing, it definitely. You know, he he, he had a small window of that, and it quickly closed on him. It seems. Yeah, you um, had a you had a, you had a five year period, but from twenty ten right. to twenty fifteen, where Kentucky was clearly the best program in college basketball. It was a similar run to what Villanova's been on twenty sixteen right. since then. But after that thirty no team, he just he hasn't been able to replicate it as much. He had he had one team with uh, you know Darren Fox, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo that went to the lead eight, lost on the Luke May buzzer beater, which was a fantastic right. game. But other than that, he just hasn't had. He's losing to teams like Kansas State in the Sweet 16, who was a 9 seed, yeah. or right. to, you know, obviously St. Peter's, or he lost to Indiana and Tom Crean in the second round back in 2016. Right. Can we talk yes. about, too, how St. Peter's head coach is now going to be the head coach at Seton Hall? Yeah, which awesome. that, that's what happens, you know, when when you uh, have a deep tournament run like that, your well, water opens, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he? He wasn't the head coach, but wasn't he an assistant coach with Florida Gulf Coast when they went on their Miracle March Madness run? Wasn't he on that coaching staff? I want to look that up, but I'm but pretty sure could be. I, I saw something. So he was with them cool. there, and then came to St. Peter's, took St. Peter's on this magical run, and now and Seton Hall obviously isn't one of the greatest, but like he's just slowly working his way up, yeah. and I think it's so impressive. Yeah, Gene Holloway, you know, takes a New Jersey school to the Sweet 16. The last time a New Jersey school had been to the Sweet 16 was when he was a player at Seton Hall back in 2000. So, <laughs> you know, fun, fun little circle moments there as well. But obviously he did a fantastic job to be able to take a 15 seed to, lead it, to an Elite Eight. Something that's ever been done. And yeah, he's yeah, part of two of the first. three teams to ever make it to the second weekend as a 15 seed. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, no, he literally made history. They were the first 15 seed to ever break into the Elite Eight, which is fantastic. 
Yeah, no, it, it's sick. And he was also, uh, I believe, the MVP of the All-American game the year, Kobe. Uh, yeah, he was. He I, was. I remember correctly. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Fun facts for you. But yeah. uh, looking, looking ahead to to this weekend, our Final Four, um, we talked about Blue Bloods. You know, Kentucky is obviously one of them, but we have the Blue Blood Final Four. I mean, we haven't seen this much talent in in one Final Four ever. Um, you know, will this go down as the greatest, you know, Final Four that we've seen? Or or do we still have to, you know, see what they put out on the floor? Well, it depends I on think- how... Oh, sorry. Go, go. No, I was, I was going to say, I literally think it comes down to this honestly could go down as the greatest Final Four ever just because the talent that's here, yeah, but then the storylines off the court as well. Like, to have Duke versus UNC... Final four in Coach K's last season ever. Like, you can't write anything better than that. So I, I just think there's so much else that plays into it. And then you have Villanova, who that's going to be a whole conversation because now they're dealing with injuries. And everyone knew Villanova was good this season. Everyone didn't know if they were going to be a good tournament team. And then you have Kansas. It's the only one seed remaining. Like, there's just so much that ties into making this so insane. I mean, when you look at, at, I mean, first of all, it just depends on how good the games are, which, yeah. which only time will tell what that is. But you think of, you know, the 2008 Final Four where you had all four one seeds. You think of, you know, obviously for me personally, the 2012 Final Four, when which was ironically also in New Orleans and Louisville, Kentucky played in the Final Four, which if you've ever written or taking a picture of the definition of insanity. It's just Louisville, Kentucky that week. <laughs> yeah. You literally had people fighting in a dialysis center. About about the game. Dialysis? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, 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 I promise you. Look this up. Just Google Louisville, Kentucky Dialysis Center, and you will find articles from CBS, ESPN, CNN about a fight that broke out while two people were, were hooked up to a dialysis center over the Louisville, Kentucky basketball game. That, that's what it is. But but you look at that, I think you can go back to, like, the 80s. You had some classic Final Four team about 1982 where you had Dean Smith's North Carolina team with Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, you had Houston with Akeem Olajuwon, Georgetown with Patrick Ewing. They had a really good Louisville team as well. You had the 85 year where you had three Big East teams in the Final Four and Villanova upsets Georgetown in that classic. You get back to 1979 with uh, obviously Michigan State and and Indiana State with the Magic Bird Final Four. So there's just, I know it's a cop-out answer, but I'm not going to just sit here and say it's the greatest Final Four ever when we empty the games yet. It, it very well could end up being that, obviously, you get Duke Carolina on the biggest stage that it's ever been in, and you have the Coach K element. I think you can get Duke and Kansas in the title game, which I think Carolina has a very real chance to beat Duke. But if you can really get Duke and Kansas in the title game, I think that could be an absolutely special game yeah. in terms of how well both of those teams are playing right now and just all the storylines that can go around there. And just, you know, anytime you have – and I'll say this again about Louisville, Kentucky in 2012, Duke, Carolina now. Anytime you get a rivalry as big as those two are, which those are the two biggest rivalries in the sport, I am in the minority and that the Louisville, Kentucky one is better. But 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 anytime you get a Real rivalry – no, no, not at all. But anytime <laughs> you get something to the caliber of those two rivalries in the Final Four, it has the chance to be really, really special. So in terms of like how how to look at things from a betting perspective, obviously we know Justin Moore is 
out for yeah, uh, which is disappointing. Like, like that's one of the things that could be holding it back. Yeah. Justin Moore's healthy. I mean, both these games could be absolute classics. Right. Yeah. No. And 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 that's really the disappointing part, especially obviously that he's injured, but especially the fact that he got injured with less than a minute to go in the game. It's just like imagine if he just wasn't on the floor. Um, it's so how, how this you know looks different right now. It's a four and a half point spread. We'll see if it if it you know grows a little bit as we get closer to Saturday. Um, Ken's the heavy favorite, not not unsurprisingly. So like, how how do you think it goes to bet this game? Is it realistic to think that Villanova could cover, or 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 do you think it's just a without Justin Moore, a team that already wasn't superb offensively, is really just a defensive matchup, losing their second best scorer. Now, you know, Colin Gillespie has to be Michael Jordan. He's not Michael Jordan. We know that much. He's um, pretty damn good, though. <laughs> he's, listen, he's he's great. He's from my hometown. I'm, I've been very aware of Colin Gillespie for a long time. Uh, but uh, but the facts are the facts. He's he's Ryan Archidiakono 2.0 here. Um, you know, the, the tradition of the white Villanova point guard lives on forever. Hey, Chris uh, Archidiakono is a retro freshman. He's, he's coming up next. Just, he's coming up next. Just a decade straight of it, but but you know, betting this game, I, I just can't see a way that Kansas doesn't just absolutely clobber them from a betting perspective. I mean, that's where it's so disappointing that Justin Moore is is hurt. I mean, obviously, you want him to be well, and he's a great player and all that stuff. But you look at this game, you watch that second half between Kansas and Miami, and it was Showtime Lakers esque. Obviously, I'm not calling them the Showtime Lakers, but in right. terms of just how they were able to get out in transition so often, push the pace, and really just, you know, throw three-quarter court passes every possession. <laughs> it looks like it was it was really incredible Great to watch job. them play in transition and just absolutely demolish a Miami team that we thought for, you know, 25 minutes could pull one of the greatest upsets in the history of the sport by being a number one seed in the lead eight as a 10 seed. But but you look at that and how effective they are when they get out and running. Then you look at Villanova who is better than anyone else in the country at we are going to lock the ball up the court. We're going to be very slow and methodical. We're going to run our offense, run our sets. We're going to beat you one-on-one, off the dribble, isolation basketball, and they're so tough to defend. Well, you that because everyone on the floor can shoot. So, you, so, you know, Tom Gillespie can just sit there and back Remy Martin down for 20 seconds, and right. you can't help off of anyone because everyone on the floor can shoot. And Gillespie ends up with a layup because of that. <laughs> that and right. it slows the pace down. It's like backbreaking to play against Villanova. It's, I, right. I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating. But Villanova has the recipe to where they could beat Kansas if they had Justin Moore. But they don't. Right. So with that, I just don't think they have enough firepower offensively to be able to score with the Jayhawks because you're not going to shut down Kansas the entire game. No, Ochai Abaji, and, and they talk about this a lot, a lot on the broadcast with uh, CBS on – Sunday, but it's been something apparent all year with them. I mean, I, I remember looking back at the Kentucky game. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, freaking Kellen Grady guarding Ochai Abaji. He should light him up. And Ochai right. just kind of stands in the corner for 40 minutes and does nothing. And he did that for large stretches of the game against Miami on Sunday. He can kind of take himself out of the game, not be assertive enough on the offensive end. But they have so many options. Remy Martin is finally playing like the guy that we thought he was going to be when he was the Pac-12 player of the year. Last year, transfers over from Arizona State. You're getting enough out of David McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot. They were playing through Mitch Lightfoot at times in the half court on Sunday. Like, who the hell ever yeah. thought that was going to happen? Which Mitch, right. Mitch Lightfoot is, you know, 
my age. My first game, or his first college game, was against Indiana in Hawaii in 2015. Right, like I that's remember. how that's how long he has been there, there in Lawrence, Kansas, and almost almost Perry Ellis. But yeah, that's a long way of saying that if Justin Moore's healthy, I think it would be an absolute classic. I think Villanova will hang around for a while. They have the style to hang around for a while with Kansas, but at the, at the end of the day, there's just too much for from the Jayhawks. I, I think they do when they do cover that four and a half. Yeah, that's that's sort of been my feeling is that, you know, th- this could be like a, you know, 58-50 game with like eight minutes left and then Kansas just goes on a, yeah. you know, 6-0 run and that's sort of like the the nail in the coffin. Type. Yeah, because you look at the defense Kansas played last weekend. the line is still at four and a half. I thought it would have. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I think there's still the- time, but. Four and a half still seems very low to me. Like, I think that's an easy cover for Kansas. I'm honestly surprised that I saw this um, a couple days ago. I'm not sure if it's changed that North Carolina has worse final, worse odds to win the title than Villanova does, which is really bizarre to me. I get it there in eight seed. I mean, I mean, I saw right. like, Carolina at plus 500, Villanova plus 475. But I'm sitting there thinking without Justin Moore, no one thinks they're winning, which if, if they right. do win this game and win the title, I mean – Jay Wright, who is already the best coach in, in the country, may just put himself in the coach change. I wouldn't try to win this one. But Carolina, with the way they're playing, they're playing so incredibly well. And with Villanova being so short-handed, I would think that they would have better odds to win the, to win the title than the Wildcats. But that just, you know, I, I found that to be really surprising. I, so I have a question for you, Jack. Yeah. Obviously, I do not. Be- I don't believe that Villanova will win. I don't believe that they'll, you know, get to the championship or anything. But just to get this far, you know, we think about the classic, you know, blue bloods that uh, of today, right? You have yeah, Duke, UNC, K- uh, Kansas, Kentucky, and Michigan State. Michigan State's not blue blood, but there are people that they, they are always in that. Just because, just because they're in the Champions Classic does not mean they're a blue. Blood. But there's enough people that think they're a blue blood. I no, they, they, no, they, they, they're not. Not only are they not a blue blood, Dan. You have the blue blood tier, which is, which, which is only no, 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 no. But, but not only are they not a blue blood, you have the blue blood tier, which is for me just Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, and Kansas. Then right. you have, I think UCLA is in their own tier, fifth. Then you have a tier of Villanova, Louisville, Indiana, Connecticut. You can put those schools in any order. Then you have another gap. Then you have Michigan State. So you wouldn't you wouldn't put Villanova in that tier. I don't know if you can put them up there yet with the Kansas no. and Kentucky and everything, but you can't even put them yet with like the UCLA of just based on how they performed over the past, you know, five years, six years. I yeah. Guess. Well, look, UCLA or not UCLA, Villanova since twenty sixteen has been the best program in the country, and Jay Wright has been the best coach in the country, and I don't think it's particularly close. And once Coach K retires, I think, you know, Coach K and John Wooden are on their own tier of, you know, in terms of, like, GOAT of college basketball coaching. Right. Jay Wright is the only guy that's active right now that can do enough to get into that tier, I would argue. that That's how damn fantastic he no, is. No, he's great. Like, he, I, he's I, I love watching. Well, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. They're incredible. But you can't just look at right now in terms of who's a blue blood. Right. And right. and yes, they won a title in '85 of Raleigh Massimino, and that's one of the greatest NCAA tournament games of all time. But Villanova's only been to what five, six Final Fours. 
Kentucky's been to right. Kentucky and Duke have been to 17. Right. UCLA's been to 18. Carolina's been to 21. Even if Villanova were to win the title this year, they'd have four titles. Uh, that would be half of what Kentucky has. That would be two less of what Carolina has. That'd be one less of what Duke has. And then you look at the fact that Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas all have over 2,200 wins. And I couldn't even tell you where Villanova is on that list because they close. aren't. Yeah, they're not close. So for me, it, it has to do more with just the long yes, day. yes, yes. The, the recency matters. And that and the recency is why UCLA is not a blue blood and why Indiana is not a blue blood, but you but you have to have the but you have to have the combination of the recency and the longevity. So for that's me, that, that's the only thing that makes Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, and and Kansas the four blue bloods. All right, that's fair. Uh, the ultimate blue blood blue blood battle, on the other side of the bracket: UNC, Duke. Um, UNC has won me money. Has won a lot of people money uh, nice. as of late. Everyone who's anyone who's smart who uh, <laughs> who, that, who bets on the Steph Curry, the Harry Steph Curry of college basketball, that is Brady Manick. Um, yes, <laughs> the goat. Uh, right now, similar similar line in terms of money lines, similar almost the exact same spread at four and a half as well for this one. Um, your thoughts betting this game? All right, so I actually am not touching the spread on this game, even though Fair. I do think I do think Duke wins the game. The thing that I really love in this game is the over under. I love over what is it now? 150, 151? 151. Well, I love over one fifty one in this game. In mm-hmm. terms of both past performances, I know that's a horse racing term, the PPs. <laughs> we're getting, we, we are revving up for Kentucky Derby season here in Louisville. We are, we're a month but, away. But, um, but in terms of the past performances of one of the two teams I met, and then just watching both both of them, the over is a no-brainer in this game. The two totals of the first two times these two teams met were 154 in Chapel Hill. And then in Durham, I'm blanking on what it was because I calculated right before we started, but the final score was 94 to 81. So, so in the one seven, one seventy five, that was the number. So a lot of a lot of points in that game. Yeah. So you have one game where it hits the over, then the other game where it just flies by the over. So to me, that's just a right. no brainer. They're playing for a third time. Why wouldn't you bet the over when the total is lower than what they combined for the first two times they played? Then you just look at how the teams okay. match up with each other. Yeah, Paulo Bancaro. Who the hell is going to guard Paulo Bancaro on Carolina? Brady Manick, as Brady great Manic, as he's been, no, no. He's he can't guard you or me. No. Yeah, he, he can't is. guard us. He can't guard the trio of us. And no, then, he, he and then if you put, you know, Armando Baycott on him, one that risk foul trouble, and two, you can't put Brady Manick on Mark Williams or Theo John, and you right. can't put Leaky Black, your best defender, on him because you can't have him guard Wendell Moore. So, so what what Carolina did in the second game was they just doubled Bancaro every time he touched the ball in the post. And Bancaro did a really, really good job of passing out of those double teams to get wide open shots. Just Duke had a really poor shooting night that night, so they missed right. a bunch of them. And despite that, they scored 81 points. Right. And then you look on the other end, Brady Maddox, as much as just crapped on him on, on the defensive side, has been such a game changer for North Carolina. Because when you have the guards playing as well as they have, plus Brady Manick, plus Armando Baycott, they're impossible to guard because, yes, Lee Black can't shoot. As great as he's defensively, he's like the inverse of Manic. He can't shoot at all. Right. But Duke 
in the second game, and nobody in this NCAA tournament run outside of Baylor when they made that miracle comeback and almost won the game the second round when Brady Manick should not have been ejected, no one has been able to stay in front of Carolina's guards. Right. So you have, you know, the X factor, the equalizer in terms of Mark Williams and Theo John defensively being two of the best shot blockers in the country. However, right. if they're stepping up, to cover Caleb Love or R.J. Davis driving into the paint, that's going to leave Mark Williams open for a million lobs like we saw in the Texas Tech game. So you have to rotate someone over. If you rotate someone over, probably Paolo Paolo Bancaro, who are you leaving open for three? Brady Manning, who torched them for five threes in the the most recent game in Cameron and has been fantastic from behind the three-point arc in in this tournament. Yeah. So, so what you have to do is you have to leave Leaky Black wide open and, and have him miss a bunch of jumpers and hope that that's how you're able to do it. But, but I look at it and I say, okay, Duke can't stop Carolina. Carolina has no way to stop Duke. Why would even why would we even contemplate betting the under in this game? I, and I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be a 55-50 game because I just went on for five minutes about why they're going to this game. And I'm sure Villanova will shock everyone and win it all because that's just how gambling works and that's why it's so fun. But <laughs> but there's no reason for this game to not hit the over when you look at both that's, these teams. That's fair. So so your your championship game is Kansas and Duke. I do have Duke, Duke winning. Number one, because I can't see Coach K ending his career with a loss to Carolina in the final four. I agree, but, especially after, yeah. especially after the uh, debacle in uh, in Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> especially after that. So that so, was so bad. So I do have them winning, and they're just they have more talent. They're the team with five first round draft picks. Jeremy Roach was not playing like he is now during the game at Cameron. And that's allowed Wendell Moore to get back to his natural role of being more of a wing scorer. And Paolo Bancaro should be the best player on the court. And I think that they have the matchup of Mark Williams and Theo John that's not going to shut down Armando Baycott, but can at least slow him down some. Fair enough. I think you can easily make the argument that UNC can come in and like if, if oh, someone came up to me and was like, I'm taking UNC, I'd be like valid. Like yeah. at this point, you don't know what's going to happen, but my gut is telling me basically what you said already. Coach K's last season after the embarrassing loss that they had to UNC just a couple of weeks ago that I can't see it happening where UNC is going to play spoiler twice for coach K in his final season. Like they are going to do whatever it takes to win that game. And like you said already as well, they have technically, they're on paper, the much better team. Like, and and that's just a fact. So they have the talent to easily get it done. So I'm hoping that they can do it. And then I want to see Duke move on. And then whether they play Nova or Kansas, I think it's going to be a great game, no matter what I'm riding with you. I can easily see a Duke Kansas championship. And I think that would be an incredible game, but We'll see. It could. The nuttiest thing is, this could easily be a UNC Nova championship, which is so nutty to me. Great. Yeah, that'd be iconic and in its own right. If Justin Moore was healthy, yeah, it it could definitely be a UNC Nova title. Yeah, no, I think it's so crushing that that he had. But we'll see. All right, Coach K wins. Is he over John Wooden? No. Just for me. 
10 titles, 11 years. Nothing's ever going to top that. I get it. There were less teams. I get it that, yeah, I, you know, Coach K's done it a longer time, and he now has one more Final Four than Wooden. But you can't me- – that many titles, you can't mess with it. You can't. I, I it's, it's very much the Bill Russell, like – you know, anyone who thinks that Bill Russell is the GOAT is just like, you. if you think that, like, he's got 11 titles, like, you're not going to waver against that. So I, well, I, it's I, I, think, I think it's different when it's, you know, a, a coach than a right, player. Right, 100%. 100%. But, I mean, it's hard for me not to – I can – I totally understand the wooden idea. But, again, like you said, less team, less competitive teams, certainly. Also, just less teams in general. Um I feel like Coach K's had to evolve with much more over his career than John oh, for sure, has. for sure. And yeah. I think that has, I think that has to mean, you know, something. Um, yeah, that's why he's clearly the number two greatest college basketball <laughs> coach of all time, and there is a large gap between those two and everyone else. I, I will say this: the gap between Wooden and K is, is way, big... way, way, way smaller than the gap between K and everyone else. That's fair. That's fair. That's that's understandable. That's understandable. Uh, who do you think wins uh, most outstanding player? Uh, that's a tough one. That that is obviously, yeah. Obviously, we need to get to the championship. Yeah, because I'm torn between Kansas and Duke. I, I think Remy Martin's a guy that's been just on is fire for Kansas. He's had an absolutely fantastic. I think the point guards, both of them, uh, Remy Martin and Jeremy Roach, are two guys. As everyone obviously looks at Ochai Baji, first team All American, and Paulo Bancaro, possible number one pick in the draft. As oh, those will be the two guys to lead him. I think, but Jeremy Roach had the huge three against Michigan State to put him up for late in that game, was fantastic against Texas Tech. Texas Tech had the best defense in the country this season, whether you look at Ken Palm, Torvik, whatever metrics you want to look at. And Duke shot 71% from the field in the second half in that game. Incredible performance. And why was that? Because Jeremy Roach was able to beat his guy one-on-one over and over and over again, either score for himself or set someone else up. And – he has been such a huge key for what Duke has done in this tournament run, kind of rediscovering themselves. Where I think he's a guy that could win it. I mean, I know this is completely cop out saying like three different guys. And then another guy um, is Mark Williams, who was fantastic in at, at multiple points as well. And such, he's the guy that can be such a game changer with his shot blocking. He's automatic at the rim. Duke's done a much better job of just getting him really easy looks around the basket. And a lot of that is again, because Jeremy Roach is playing really well. Well, so I think one of those three guys, in addition to obviously the, uh, Bancaro and then the, uh, and the, um, uh, Ochai Abachi. But if you're looking for someone off the board, I, I would take one of those three dudes. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. We shall see. Can't wait. Saturday night. All going down. Oh. Um, Real quick, before we let you go, you know, opening day next Thursday. Um, I want your futures picks. So I, I believe the Dodgers are getting to the World Series. I don't see anybody stepping in their way. Um, I think Atlanta pulls back a bit. I still think they'll be good, but I don't, yeah. I don't think as good. Um, and there's just no one really that's popping out to me that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to – San Francisco, I think, definitely takes a step back. So I think it's the Dodgers – and the White Sox. That's that's my uh, that's my guess. I like it. Who do you who do you have? Let's see. I, I'm with you on the Dodgers, just because. Yeah. I mean, they lost in a tight series to the Braves in the NLCS, and then they signed the Braves' best player. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Here's what's unfair about the Dodgers. They had the most money. They're the most willing to spend of anyone. 
And on top of all of that, they have the best farm system in baseball. Right. I'm mean, like, how the hell are those three things allowed to happen? They're, 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 they're <laughs> on the same team. <laughs> forever dynasty. Yeah, so I'm going to pick the Dodgers to not only make but win the World Series literally every single year until those facts change, which right. I don't see changing anytime soon. I'm still waiting on that Yankees-Dodgers World Series because I think it is a disgrace that we haven't gotten to see one I of those in our lifetime. I could get that this year. It's possible, but... I think the Yankees have a chance. I've picked that like three years in a row, and I just can't do it again yeah. <laughs> well, with, with this group of Yankees. So I, I really like the White Sox also, but I'm going to I'm gonna ride... The AL's so wide open. It, it, it's yeah. Uh, it's much There's more not wide. Open. One person in the AL that like completely st- like the Dodgers. It's like everyone can agree. It's like yeah, yeah, the Dodgers are running this. But when you go to the AL, there's not one team in particular that's like yes, they're taking it. It's going to be a Dodgers versus. It's not like NFL where it's like you go into the season. It's like all right, it could easily be Bucks Chiefs and no one would question it. Right like now, now there's like not one specific team that's kind of running the show in the AL. Because I think the White Sox are definitely in a spot to where they're ready to take that next step. They have a great team, all that talent, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'm ready to pick a team that hasn't, you know, won a playoff Fair. series yeah. <laughs> to, to make the world series Fair. series. I'm looking at Houston and they have the pitching issues and Verlander got hurt last year and he's old and you have all that stuff. I guess I'll settle with Boston because you get Chris Sale for a full year, knock on wood, that he stays healthy. You bring back most of that lineup. They won the AL East and stunned everybody last year to where I'll ride with Boston. And, you know, they're willing to spend and be aggressive as well. They're one of the few teams that are actually able to do that. So, yeah, I'll take a little bit of a shot, I guess. It, the AL so what I could definitely see the White Sox. I think they're the most talented team in the AL. And don't forget about Tampa Bay as well. But yeah. but uh, I, I, I'll, I'll lean Boston. So right. LA over Boston. Nice. LA over Boston. The another the, classic. Yeah. The, uh, the TV, the TV companies will love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They get that. that and Duke Carolina one year. I yeah, mean, they'll be, they'll what, be what are the happy. Lakers and the Celtics doing? I mean, come on. Right. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um, all right. Real quick. Cy Young. Who's winning it from each league? I mean, even, I mean, DeGrom. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, the only question is, does he stay healthy? That that's literally is the only question with Jacob Degrom is does he stay healthy, and then I'm going to go with the AL. Again, the NL is so much clearer to me than the AL about this guy Young and the um, and and the World Series. I'm going to go though. I'm gonna go. Gigli. He's such a great story. Couple years ago, he quite. The worst ERA in baseball, <laughs> and then the next year he's a Cy Young contender to where right. that's that to me is insane. He's been so good, he's the only Asian White Sox team who I expect to run away with AL Central, which that and the NL Central are you know not good divisions in baseball this year. Here, so he'll have the uh, he'll have the benefit of going up against some hitters are of the AL East or the AL West. <laughs> you don't have to face those guys as much. Uh, just to where, yeah, I'm going to take Giolito. You get really good value with him at plus 1,100. And, you know, AL Cy Young's a good one to where you can take a shot at something there. And if it hits, you're going to get paid out pretty well. Yeah, that's fair. All right, okay. and MVPs. Who, who's winning the MVPs? Do we see a Bryce Harper uh, back-to-back? <laughs> I know you're rooting for it. 
I know you are. He's our I only would... hope of positivity. Yeah, wait, I got... want your guys' opinions too. Do the Phillies at least make it into the postseason for the no, first time in a freaking decade it. this year? I don't believe it. Can we get one the... silver lining? Here's the thing. They signed oh, no. Cal Schwarber. I don't like the sound of that. I, they signed Cal Schwarber, yeah. who is my favorite modern baseball player. Other than Sammy Sosa is my favorite baseball player. Yes, I'm aware Sammy Sosa did steroids before we get on that. that I'm shocked. I was old. I couldn't help myself. But That's fair. But they signed Cal Schwarber, and they signed Nick Castellanos. And there's a yeah. drive by Castellanos, and I'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to put this headset on again. Um, but <laughs> but uh, they made two really great signings there. Can Aaron Nola get back to the form he was at pre-COVID? And do they have enough pitching? I think they can absolutely, you know, put a wild card spot. I, I, I know Dan doesn't think so. But are, are you guys both no. Phillies fans? Yeah. I, I know Dan. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I'm a Cubs fan, which I'm sure is apparently clear right now. I'm talking about Cal Schroeder yeah. and Nick Cassius. But, but, but I think they can definitely make a wild card. I, I wouldn't pick them to go very far in the playoffs. But I think yeah. a wild card is, you know, a, a reasonable goal for them. I think just any – postseason appearance from the Phillies at this point, I would be enthralled. Like I'd I would take anything. Yeah. Um bare minimum. Not yeah, yeah but in, yeah. yeah. But but in terms of MVP, I mean the AL I'm gonna go Vlad just because Otani won it last year and Trout can't stay healthy. <laughs> I, so I think I, I can see that. That uh the NL it, it's a flip for everything. I mean Juan Soto is plus 280, and everyone else is plus 700 or higher, which is really weird. I did have a moment earlier today where I forgot that Tatis broke his wrist for a second. I was like, oh, my God, plus 1,800. Let's go. And then, obviously, he's going to miss the first chunk of the year. But I think Soto's in a great spot. Freddie Freeman going to a new club worries me a little bit. Same with Matt Olsen going to the bridge. You just never know how guys are going to react when they go to a new place. I think Mookie Betts is in a really good spot yeah. for a bounce back year in terms of he really struggled last year. He wasn't the same guy he was in 2020. And obviously with the Red Sox back in 2019, he's not over the hill yet. Right. I mean, so I think Mookie bets at plus 900 is a really good one value is. And then, and like I said, I'm taking Vlad Jr. Fair enough. I like Fair it. Enough. Say, and say a Suzuki to win the rookie of the year. <laughs> okay. we was, I, I like him i think he's uh i i can't i i will never bet on the rookie of the year for baseball just because no it's no so it's a terrible thing to bet on impossible yeah. to know um it's the only spot where i just wouldn't bet on the rookie of the year and yeah. hockey bets. yeah i will say hunter green making his um yeah that's true his big league debut for the reds uh in atlanta up. this year i think he's i i I know pitchers don't always win rookie of the year. It, it can right. trend more towards hitters, but he's a guy that, you know, it has a monster season and definitely won it. Yeah, for sure. A lot of hype behind sure. him, too, helps. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, well, we will see. Can't wait. Uh, opening day next Thursday, Final Four Saturday, National Championship Monday, just a uh, big next seven days in the sports world, and then a month until the Kentucky Derby. Who, who's going to win the Kentucky Derby? All right, so I really like Epicenter right now. He won the Louisiana Derby uh, last weekend. I had the exact on that, actually. I, w- I went to, to a casino in Southern Indiana last weekend, and that really helped me because I hit a couple of basketball bets. I won about 50 bucks on that, but the blackjack table not, was not 
kind to your boy <laughs> last weekend. Right. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But, but I really like Epicenter. He won the Louisiana Derby last last weekend. There's a couple of really great Arkansas Derby and the uh, Florida Derby this Saturday. And then next weekend, we get the Bluegrass Stakes in Lexington at Keeneland and the uh, Santa Anita Derby out in California. So we are right in the middle of Derby prep season. Last weekend, this weekend, and next weekend, we are really going to figure out who is going to be the favorite or favorites for the Kentucky Derby. All right. Well, I will uh, I will definitely be texting you in the next couple of weeks to decide who I'm going <laughs> after that. Uh, well, I mean, you can get my bet. I never get the Derby right. I mean, it's a tradition unlike any other. But, I mean, it's a 20-horse <laughs> It's a twenty horse race. I mean, uh, it, it's insane. Yeah. You never, uh, it, it, it's a whole other spectacle. <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. All right. Well, Jack, we appreciate you having it. Uh, coming on and uh, and spending this Thursday evening with us. Can't wait for all the games. Good luck on your betting. And, uh, of course, make sure to follow us if you haven't already. Follow us on all our social medias and download the Uda app. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks, oh, guys. Yeah. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Bye, guys.